Listeners. Wow, so professional. It might be morning for some. <laughs> Are you what? I said it might be morning for some. Oh yeah, I guess it is. We're we're on the night shift right now, okay? We're we're yeah, getting in where we fit in. We're sticking it we're sticking with the after dark theme. Yeah. <laughs> this the last couple months. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's because it's summertime and everybody's on vacation or we have plans or we're busy. The kids are home. We have to wait till they go to bed. Like it's it's chaos for three moms to get together during the summer. I mean, I, I we do feel pretty like... good though. No, we no, do no. pretty good. I think we do well because we usually set the time on Sunday. We usually text each other like, "Okay, when are we doing this?" And it's like I can't. Everybody says I can't do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm like Thursday. It is. <laughs> so, yeah. That's you guys. I'm always just like whatever. Well, Mel's response is always, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> true. True story. Well, that it helps, too, that your kids are a little bit older yeah. and they're not going to burn the house down while you're away. And your parents And you have, like, a to- private studio. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and you have your own place to go to to do this at, like, your own A storefront. Uh-huh. Like, a literal storefront. <laughs> li- meanwhile, I'm in the closet of my bedroom, like, leaned up against some Christmas sweaters. So I'm just trying to no, make No, I thought up. that was temporary. You can't do this in your office or you just, is everybody downstairs like watching TV? Well, you know, I could, but I feel like it's really echoey in my office because I have those big cabinets and wood floors and no like carpet or anything in there. I feel like it would be really, really echoey. I kind of feel like it's yeah. quieter in this because I'm surrounded by like clothes <laughs> your your winter clothes yeah my winter clothing yeah. that i, I never wear because i live in goddamn north carolina and it doesn't get below <laughs> 60 degrees here <laughs> so we are here for megan quinn week and we're really excited about it she's she's a really talented author and this book that she wrote for us called date night is so fucking funny <laughs> I finished it. I started it last night and I got through the first part and I was like, this is hilarious. Like when you were texting, you're like, this is really funny. And I was like, I was like holy shit. Wait, what's happening here? I know. I, Cause it, so it's about a couple, a married couple named Alex and Lauren and they've been married. It seems like maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 years. He's an accountant. She's a stay at home mom. Like they're just like kind of normal people, but they have these amazing senses of humor so it's date night the baby the baby is with his sister i think it's her sister it's it's either his sister or her sister and every month they have this date night and the wife lauren like plans this elaborate (laughs) theme night so it's like he comes home and she's like plotted out a murder mystery in their house with stuffed animals (laughs) it's so good yeah, so they have, like, a murder mystery, and, like, she's planned this whole thing out, and he has to pretend to be, like, a farmhand, and she's, like, the milkmaid <laughs> of the farm, and it is so good. Like, I Does it make you want to do that? It. Does it make you want to, like, go through this elaborate plan? I could never. No! I just don't have... No, I don't think I could. I don't think I could act like someone else or role play for that period of time. I can't. Tried to and, do it before and I can't do it. I'm like, okay, Shut like up. role play. I love it. <laughs> I can't do it. 
Yeah, I love it. Use a different accent. Oh yeah, I love that. What, what kind of accent do you use? I don't know. I'm like you are. You're able accent. to shed that. You're able to shed that twang. I mean, maybe yeah. Like I, I don't know if I want to talk about this anymore. All of a sudden, I feel like it's really personal. Wait, I just want to know the <laughs> accent though. Do you do British? Are you a British girl? No, I've done like a really trashy Boston one. Oh my god! I know. Like, I don't no, know. That. That's like the hardest accent to do. <laughs> Well, I'm actually really good at voices sometimes. <laughs> when I when I want to do it, yeah. I'm not going to do it now, though. Stop. Just stop. I know we're all, like, scared. I know. Like, stop looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, say it. Okay. Say I parked the car and have it yet. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, though. I have this, like, crazy fascination right now with I want to do a murder mystery dinner party. I want to set it yeah. up. And I want to invite people and I want to have them dress up and actually go through it and do it. I think How that would be so fun. You know, we did, we did that, um, that little signing, the Alice in Wonderland. If you yeah, did yeah, this with like a group of readers. Like, oh, you got, like, that would be 40, really fun. 30 or 40 people like in a city all mm-hmm. got together, kind of like your brick bodice, but everybody's in on it on a dinner. Yeah. So there's a place in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's called Agatha's. And oh, I guess it maybe after Agatha Christie or something. I don't know. But it's called Agatha's. And it's like that. It's a restaurant that does a murder mystery dinner theater. And I've been several times with my mother, and it was so much fucking fun. So when you walk in, they ask you if you want to be a part of it. And they tell you before they would really like you to participate. And But if you really are super, super against it, they won't make you. You go in and you get a piece of paper when you go in. And it tells you what your part is. And it tells you when you're going to stand up. And so it's like a three-course meal or whatever. They start off where they serve cocktails. And then the, the attendants come up and they're like, welcome. We're going to get started. And then, boom, something happens. And then all of a sudden you're in it. And they have different themes every couple of months. So. The one we were at was like a, it was like an old Hollywood thing or whatever was the theme when we were there. So they came out and they do the salad and like the people are acting around you, like around the room. They're going between tables and stuff and you're like, oh my God. And then like my, my part was like, I was in like the group or whatever. It's like group chorus or something. And so every time it got to that part on the schedule, you would stand up and you would say the line and everybody would stand up with you. So all the people in the room who were in the group chorus would go like, she didn't do it or whatever. And then you'd sit back down and then like somebody else would get up and have a different part and stuff. So it was really neat. Like everybody got to participate, but you weren't like pressured into being like a main role or whatever. And they had, wait, do you think they have one in New York? Can we do it when you come here for Coco? Oh, I'm sure they do. Oh, that would be fun. I don't know. I didn't know. Let's do a murder mystery dinner in New York city. Let's do it. You'd have to, we need to look like now. Yeah. For Friday already. We'd have to do it on like Friday night. Yeah. So if you're near um, Atlanta, Georgia, definitely go to Agatha's. It's really fun. I want to say when we were down there for RT, I tried to book it when we were there. And I want to say like they only had like one night available and we couldn't do it. But but yeah, that was the, I don't think that was the last time I tr- I've been there to do it. But yeah. That, that's I want to do that though you know I mean not I know this is kind of you could you could do the whole play, thing and like you could set up all the clues and yeah. have all that I could not do that I don't think so I looked online and this one woman said it's like have you ever seen the movie clue like back in the day with Tim Curry it's been a while it's, but yeah it's my favorite movie of all time if anybody ever <laughs> asked me my favorite movie I'm like 100% that it's like this beautiful macabre like dark twisted scary funny thing and he's, it's like, you don't know if you're supposed to laugh or be scared. And I think that, like, set the tone for my entire life. 
So like, <laughs> like I fucking love this movie. So I. So you don't know where to laugh or scream. Yes, exactly. So. Anyways, so they in the the girl or the the woman that put it together, I looked it up and it said clue murder mystery dinner party. So you set up like three or four rooms of your house and in each room there's like a weapon and like a card with somebody's name and like the name of the room. And then you you kind of play like you play the board game. Like when it's your turn, you have to go to a room in the house and you call the people in there like okay, Miss Scarlet, Colonel Mustard, with the wrench or whatever. And then they're like, nope, that's not it. And then it goes to the other person's turn. You have to go around different rooms in your house and do it that way. And I thought that would be kind that's, of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. That really does. Yeah. No, I would be invited and I would participate, but I need someone to tell me what to do. Okay, yeah. Well, and I thought yeah. about it. The, the reason I've been thinking about it, and I know this is really far ahead, but, you know, New Year's Eve is 2020 this year. And so I thought, how, how fun would that be to, like, do a Roaring Twenties party? And do a murder mystery theme with that. I just thought that that would be yes. really cool. And I was like, I need, I'm going to just go ahead and earmark this now. So I can tell everybody, don't make plans on New Year's Eve. Like, come to my house. You can stay tonight. Like, let's do this. Yeah, in your big old, like, yeah, my big, big old, old Victorian like, yeah, house. Uh-huh. Like, it was built in, like, mm-hmm. the 1930s. So, like, let's do this. Give people time. Like, email people in advance and give them time to prepare for their part. Yeah. You know, like, uh-huh. give them their lines, <laughs> tell them what to do, and then just watch it all unfold. Hire a videographer, as <laughs> if you do. Well, I was um, thinking that, too. I was like, I want to, like, I wonder if you could hire people to, like, quote, unquote, cater it. But, like, maybe they're in on it or something. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, like well, that I would be fun. I remember watching... The Real Housewives of New York, and they did this. Like the caterers came, oh, they, served, <laughs> they served dinner, and everybody dressed their part. And like the dinner staff and the people put it on in their home while they cooked dinner. Oh, too. there was like a company that came and did it. The company came, yes. They prepared oh, that's dinner. Cool. They acted it out. They told everybody their parts, but they did it in their home. That would be fun. So they're paying me a lot of money to do something like that. Oh, so you're not going to come to my house? <laughs> cook Is dinner that and entertain. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I mean, like, to cater it, like, that's, that's a lot of work, you know, and you got to be on point. You got to focus on the roast and you got (laughs) to pretend to be a freaking French maid or something. (laughs) Focus on the roast. I love it. Okay. Well, you, will you come if I, if I cook and, or I have food brought in, would you come and do it? All the way to North Carolina? Yeah. On New Year's Eve? Yeah. I'm going to try. Okay. You can bring your family. Okay. So you don't have to be away from them. Well, Pat usually works. So Pat's a bartender. So like all those big holidays, he's usually working. Shit, that's so. right. Well, he's gonna need to request some vacation time and get get him uh, <laughs> get him like one of those uh, those hats, like the um the pinstripe suit. <laughs> what is that in the twenties? What did the guys wear? A fedora. Yeah, like a fedora with a pinstripe suit and a Tommy gun. <laughs> yeah. You don't want Pat involved in trend. In, you don't want Pat involved in this subterfuge because he cannot lie. For I can shit. just see him like reading they would know. They'd be like, "Oh, Pat, tell us who did who did the murder," and Not he'd be me. like, "You just tell you." <laughs> you know what? That reminds me of my dad. One of the funniest things ever was when my daughter she turned a year old, and it was her first birthday, and we had rented out like this really nice picnic pavilion or whatever. We got there really early and I was there with LB and like my husband and stuff. And my dad was there and he was like, what can I do? And I was like, will you help me decorate? And he's like, sure. And I hand him like this streamer and I hand him a staple gun and he's facing me and he's like, okay. And he literally, I swear to God, he turns around, he does a 180, 
and just staples it into a post. Like, the nearest thing to him, he just goes, okay, wham. Like, that was it. He's like, now what do you want? Like, that was all I got. It's still one of the funniest things ever that I think about when it comes to my dad is, like, how he does not give a shit. He's like, what do you want? Okay, fine. So, yeah. So, it's Book Bonanza this weekend, and I'm wondering if you guys get, like, fear of missing out when you see big book signings. Do you get FOMO? A little bit. Or do you when just... it's, like, when I see authors that I really wish I could meet in person, because Karen can Burns there right now. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite readers, Ginny, uh, mm-hmm. emailed me and said, do you want me to get any books from Book Bonanza? And I said, if you can get two copies of... The Highlander by Kerrigan Burns. Shut signed. the fuck up. One to Leah, one to oh me. Oh my god, I'm gonna die. I shouldn't have told you because oh. she's like, I'll try to come through. I was like, if you don't come through, don't worry about oh, it. But no. if you, you can do oh, it. Oh, that would be amazing. Do you so, know, fingers I, crossed. I messaged her on Instagram the other day because she posted up a picture of somebody who got an art copy of How to Love a Duke in 10 Days. And I was like, if I don't get this, I'm gonna die. And <laughs> she was like, well, give me your address. I'll send it to you. And I was like, Look, I know I'm not even going to pretend like I don't want this book, but I, re- I seriously only have to wait like eight more days or whatever until it comes out. I was like, it's fine. You're going to Book Bonanza. By the time you get back, like it'll it'll be here. It's okay. But I really messaged her like, you're going to have to stop posting that picture because I really want it. But I'm I, like, not to continue to talk about her, but I'm going to keep going for a minute. I am in, I'm almost like, I'm, I guess I'm like three fourths of the way through. Um, the Duke with the Dragon Tattoo, best book of all the series of the all the of all of her books. It's the oh best one, absolutely hands down, because he is so fucking like just mean. <laughs> like, but he's not mean to her. He's just like so she and I think I talked about this when we did last week's too. But she um they she rescued him from like a ditch. He was left there to die. And she rescues him, she says, and they're very young. And so he goes off because he wants to make money because he wants to marry her. And he leaves and he never comes back. And this is in the very beginning. And all of a sudden, that's 20 years later, and she has to marry, like, this old fat guy to save her family's fortune. Or, like, to save her family, basically, so her her terrible brother doesn't, like, who, who has spent all their money after their father died. So they don't not, so their name isn't ruined. She has to marry, like, this old fat man. And it's 20 years later. Are you fat shaming again, Yes, Leah, I'm definitely fat. I'm fat shaming an old <laughs> fat man. Leah, you have to stop fat shaming. I know. So anyway, so she's supposed to marry this fat guy, and it is 20 years later, and this he shows up, and he's like, absolutely not, you're marrying me. And she's like, no, you left me, like, who are you? And she had, like, this sweet nickname for him, and he's like, that's not me, he's dead. Like, you know, like, that person you knew died a long time ago. But he's like, you're going to marry me. And she's like, no. He's like, the fuck you aren't. And he, like, makes her do it. And then he's, like, going to, like, you think he's going to rape her because he's like, you're mine. I don't care. Like, I, I, I'm i here. You're mine. I'm having you. 
and it's like then like all this other stuff happens and it's just like oh my god like he's fucking crazy he is crazy <laughs> for her and you're like where's he been all this time like i'm just like i'm I'm on the edge of my seat listening to it and like all this other stuff is happening i'm like holy shit holy shit it's just it's the best so far of all of the the series all right so yeah. if, if she if she messages me and she's like they're, they're out of the highlander i'll be like well can you just get any of yeah, them, any of them. <laughs> like I literally any of literally, them literally just, just sweep i just the figured table. that was like our first that was like our gateway drug so i feel like I we should, that was the the choice oh for um, sure no speaking of that though speaking of authors being really generous with arcs i you know how like <laughs> mariana zapata came out with a yeah, book today yeah the I, best oh thing. my god it was so cute so mel and, and tess and i we have a group chat where we're like okay we're recording at this time you know just updates and stuff mel sends the link to the maria zapata mariana zapata is that right is it mariana yeah zapata? sends the link mariana, yeah, yeah mariana zapata it puts the link up and just goes here you go tessa you're welcome <laughs> it's just like, oh <laughs> like first thing this morning it was so well, cute like people have been tagging me all day in, <laughs> in posts about the new release like they'll be like tessa did you see that she has a new release and i'm like yes i see it i see it you're like i'm trying and, um, to write okay <laughs> i have to like no i have to like emotionally prepare oh, for one wow. of her books because i know that once i start it mm-hmm. that'll be it like i will just block everything mm-hmm. out for three days yeah, so yeah. i have to make sure i've got some cushion time cushion but then at like four o'clock today, I get an email from Mariana herself, and she was like, "I don't want to be presumptuous or anything, but here's a copy of my book." <gasps> Shut up! Are you fucking serious? What did you do? I was like, oh, I, said, oh. hol- I said you are hilarious. I, I said this is. I said it's not presumptuous. People have been tagging me all day about this book because they know I wanted. I'm on its jock so bad. Yes. And oh my um, God. but it was. I sent her back like a copy of oh. um, an early copy of Sink or Swim because she read like she read like she reads the Beach Kingdom and, series. Yeah. Oh, that's so great! So it was so cute though, and oh. I was just like, I, I love yeah, that just so marry much. me. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's the greatest. Gosh, I love it. Like that's the one thing about you know, like book bonanza. I see like several authors that even you know, like I'm friends with, like Claire Contreras is there, and I was like, oh, maybe it'd be cool to see her, even though she lives like an hour from me. Like I'm thinking, like, oh, I should have gone to Texas to see her, you know? But you know, yeah. It, it just I think I see like pictures of people, and I'm like, God, they're having such a good time. But like in reality, like, are they just posing for a quick picture together? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. You know, that's so what... you just like you imagine everybody having this like amazing like group mm-hmm. hug or like connection and like There's then you start no to time. feel like oh I'm missing out yeah there, everybody's rushing around yeah it's just I mean that's what we were talking about with Copa you know we were just talking about it before this you're like okay am I gonna see you guys for dinner when we're there and we're like I don't know when are we free <laughs> you know I mean in fact like we're friends like you're sitting beside us at the signing you know and we're having to make sure we make time to see each other. Because it's like, yeah. you know, even people that you, you know, really want to talk to and really want to hang out with, the signing just, it's like, you not only does it take up a huge portion of your time, like, we fly in late Thursday and we leave, like, early Sunday. So, we basically only have Friday and Saturday. Friday, you have to set up for your signing. You have to get, like, your table, your books, make sure all your swag's ready to go. Like, I mean, it's a ton of shit to get ready. And then Saturday, I mean, it's getting up at, like, you know... 5.30 in the morning, like, doing my hair and makeup, like, making sure we're dressed, hauling the books over to the signing, like, setting up the table, you know, being ready to go at, like, 9 a.m., and then it's, like, go, 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 until it's 5 o'clock or whatever, 
to Lasagna. And then you're so tired, yeah, right? And it's like, just like, it's hard to like get mm-hmm. rally yourself to go out for a big dinner yeah, or something, you know? Because it's such an emotional crash. And I know we've talked about this before too with doing the signing. It's like you want to make sure that you give every single person at your table an amazing experience, you know, and you want to make sure that like your energy matches their energy and like, you know, because we're so grateful and we're so happy to see them. And it's like, I want to make sure that they feel that in every single moment. But at the end of the day, like after doing that for, you know, like eight hours, like afterwards, it's like, oh my God, like it's such a crash, you know, just from being like happy and excited and your adrenaline's going all day because it is so much fucking fun. But it's like going on a roller coaster for eight hours. And after you get off, you're like, whoa, like it just crashes. So that's like, we always say like after a signing, we usually don't talk. You know, we, we usually, when we walk out of the room, that's it. We usually don't say anything in the car on the way to the hotel or wherever we're staying, or we don't say anything when we go to, like, I just usually go to the room for like an hour and I just don't talk. I and remember then it's like, one time, we don't, because I remember Leah brought her kids, showed up one time. I was like, we're going to go back to your room with your kids. Yeah. So like. There's going to be people you have to oh, talk. Oh, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I know. Well, that was when my husband was there, and he brought the kids afterwards, and I was like, you're going to have to take them. Like, after the signing, I was like, I, you're going to have to take them out of here. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going to work. It's intense having your – I when, when we were in Rome last summer for a book signing, like, I had a, a line. My daughter came in in her bathing suit, oh and she's God. like – and my Pat was like, she won't let me give her her insulin shot. So I was like giving her insulin shot at the table with oh, like a line shit. of people. And I was like, oh my like, God. you guys, I just I can't. Yeah. Well, like I just has to be done. Do. Yeah. But it was so intense. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, family at the, at the book signings is, um, it's like it's one step too many. Yeah. It's a lot. My parents came one time. I was telling the story actually at the Ripped Bodice last week or a couple weeks ago. How my parents came to, actually, I think they came to Copa last year. Oh, wow. It was either Copa or Big Apple, but it was in New York City. And, like, my parents have, like, had, like, a really weird time of trying to support me, but also not necessarily approving of what I write, but, like, still loving me. (laughs) So it's just (laughs) hard for them to navigate. (laughs) (laughs) But they're, like, you know, they're they don't necessarily approve of me writing explicit sex. They're born again Christians and more power to them. Yeah. But, anyways, um, I, uh, not that born again Christians can't like read kinky sex. That's not what I mean. I just mean that like, it's okay. we got they you. don't necessarily, they don't necessarily approve of it. That's how they feel yeah. about it. So, um, but they do want to support me. So they, my mom, my mom came up to me at the COPA signing with her credit card and she goes, I want to buy one copy of each, please. Oh my God. <laughs> and she bought, she bought one copy of each of my books and like carried them out in a giant tote bag. And I was like, wow, that was like really nice. And then. A week later, I was at the house, and I was like, where'd you put those books? And she was like, they're in the attic. <laughs> they're in the attic? <laughs> I love what? it. What? You're like, just give them back to me. Jesus. <laughs> it was just like a crash and burn. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, we want to support you, but then we also want to forget that it exists. <laughs> She's, they're up in the attic with the rest of the devil toys. <laughs> Oh my God, That's, that is a major crash and burn. Oh, I think my mom went to, she's gone to a, a couple signings, I think, with me. Maybe, I know she went, when we went to London, I think two years ago. Your mom's really cool. I like your mom a lot. Yeah, she's really into romance books. So, like, she's kind of into, like, 
like she was excited to see some of the authors there, like not just me. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like you know the way she would just run away from the table. I'm like, it's fine. I'm just your daughter. It's okay. <laughs> but no, she uh yeah she went to the one in London and she was actually a really big help. So that was a lot of fun. But I'm trying to think if she's been to any other ones. She came to uh when we did our launch party. Uh, for everything for her when we had that in uh, Missouri, my whole family came out for that, and that was really fun because they got to meet Mel's family. And we got that looks like, like a good yeah. time. I remember the pictures from that. I remember yeah. seeing the pictures. Did you have some FOMO in that too? Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I do this thing where like I, I don't even like I didn't even get on. I like I don't get on the waiting list to go to certain. Um, I don't sign up to go to certain signings or I don't even apply for them. I yeah. turn them down because I'm I, like, I can't get out of, I just can't get away. Yeah. But then like, I see everybody and, I, and then I get sad. And so like, I do this thing and I do it in real life too, where I isolate myself and then I get, and then I feel left out. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so <laughs> self-destructive. I, I do the same thing too. I'm like, I don't like I, this. Okay. So perfect example is like, so this thing was coming up this weekend and Kevin's like, do you want to go to this party? And I'm like, I just don't want to do it. Like I have to do this and this and this. And he's like, you're making excuses. So you don't have to do it. But as soon as it's over, you're going to be like, we should have done that. And I was like, yes, I don't, I don't know why I self-sabotage that way. And he's like, he's like, you just don't want to put in the effort. But then you realize later you should have put in the effort because it was important for other people too. I'm like, stop. I don't like this. I don't yeah. like this truth and judgment right now. I, I'm trying to get better at recognizing when I do it, like where I'll do this thing where like I won't see. I'll just keep turning down invitations to see friends in the city or something, and then I'll see them hanging out on Facebook, and I'll be like, "Well, they don't like. They don't even care that I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just so stupid. They're, they're going on and living their life. Like I'm not even turning down their invitations. <laughs> yeah, What's wrong with those people? I'm trying to get better at recognizing it. One of my friends texted me today. One of my mom, like mom friends in town, yeah. and she she's trying to get a group of people together to go do. So every year, not to bring down the mood, but there's this thing <laughs> called the tunnel to the towers. <laughs> Sorry, I can't go. help it. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to bring up 9-11. Sorry. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's worse than Chernobyl. Actually, wow. my, I don't want to, I don't want to weigh tragedies like, <laughs> against each other, uh, but I could. <laughs> I could. If we want to do, do a time? Pod, if we want to do a time on the podcast for that, I'll just carve you out. Chernobyl Corner is the last forty minutes of this episode. Okay. <laughs> for each of the victims. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it's like the tunnel to the towers run. There was this man who, a firefighter, who got through the Brooklyn, sorry, Queens. I think it's the Midtown Tunnel, and then he saw that you know. 9-11 had happened so he put on his gear and he ran back through the tunnel all the way to the trade center oh wow so and he didn't come home so ev- so every year they do this tunnel to the towers run where everybody does like a 5k through the tunnel in his in his memory yeah and she messaged today and she's like you know trying to get a group of people together on a big bus to go downtown and like and i was like nah it's my nightmare it's my nightmare yeah <laughs> but then i said yes I'll, i want to go oh like, wow count me did in. you I'm doing really because i've always wanted to do it, it. yeah, yeah. Oh, i've always wanted so to do it great. so well, good for you for actually doing it then. Well, just I'm trying to recognize when I do that thing where I'm just like, I just cut everybody off and say then. No. Yeah. Oh, so like when I suggested we go on a podcast tour, that one? Because <laughs> that just happened yesterday morning. When I was Don't like, tell them that. No, I'm going to tell them this so that we can discuss no, it and see. No, it makes me them. sound like the villain. They're going to be so mad at me. Oh, Tessa, this is where you go wrong. 
<laughs> Did you realize she can't call me out for not saying yeah, no? I just didn't Mal say just anything. She doesn't respond. I just don't respond. Like that was like three paragraphs. So you got, you got nothing. I couldn't. You got nothing on me. I just don't answer you. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, this was my suggestion. I said, what if next year we go to like four different cities? We just figure out where our, where our lady listeners are at, the most concentrated. And we go to four <laughs> cities and we just go to a bookstore and we just talk about books and we just record an episode or, or whatever. Like we do a, like a mini book signing with the three of us. And Tess is like, I don't know. <laughs> just like just like immediately like nah <laughs> like, like that was it and i was like um i mean we could go closer to you it's, excuse it's, it's me that is not what i said i didn't say no i said it's hard for me to get away and and to get like babysitting for the whole weekend and like let's try it in one place first and see how it goes that's what i said <laughs> It's a lot of money and it's a lot of time and money. So it's just something to think about. But I think the idea of being in a room and recording a live podcast with a bunch of lady listeners is really exciting to me. That does sound fun. Yeah. I don't know how. Doesn't it? Yeah. I think it would be a lot. I don't know how we would do it. But like we couldn't sell out a theater, obviously. (laughs) So we'd have to like book a conference room at a hotel maybe. I don't know. That was the thing where I said, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have to record an episode. We could just do like a mini book signing or, you know, a mini episode or whatever. Yeah. You know, we could do it at a bookstore or something to where it wouldn't have to be where we run out of ballroom (laughs) or whatever it is. I just think, I don't know. I just think it would be a lot of fun because I know like in the times that I've gone to signings, you know, the authors that I really love, I always think I wish I could have spent more time with them. I wish there wasn't a line of people behind me and I felt pressured to hurry. I wish I could ask them more questions about the books that I love and about how they write and what they, you know, that there's so many authors that I read that I'm just desperate to, to meet and talk to and, you know, just spend time with because I love what they do so much and just tell them how much it means to me. And I thought like, if I feel that way, there's gotta be people out there that feel that way too, you know? Maybe they feel that way about us. I don't know. So I just thought it would be fun to like, they sell you all the time. They do feel that way. Yeah. Well, you know, we did, um, last year we did a thing in Atlantic City, we called it Alexa in Wonderland, and it was just the two of us, and we only sold 30 tickets, and that was it for, like, this one thing, and that, after that, I think we capped it off. I think it was 30, or was it 50? I can't remember. It was, like, 50. Was it 50? Okay. But we had this one small room, and we just provided lunch, and all we did was talk, and we signed whatever, whatever things they brought. We did that, and then we just talked the rest of the time. We asked them, and we were like, well, what kind of books do you guys want to read? You know, what are, what are your fantasies and stuff, you know? And some we got some really great book ideas to write off of that just because we wanted to hear from our readers, like, okay, you love our voices. What are you missing from us, you know? It was just – it was a lot of yeah. fun. That, yeah, that did look like a lot of fun in Atlantic City. You guys asked – didn't I – did I – <laughs> did I send you books to give away or did I say I was going to and then not do it? <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember that now. I don't know. <laughs> a year later. I can't remember. I mean, you probably Because I think you guys it. asked you me if I wanted to come up it. and I was like, yeah. I, but then everything was going on with Mackenzie, so I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. But then, all right, anyway, it doesn't Yeah, because this would have been last Water July. under the bridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you would have shot it down anyways, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Okay, you guys, I don't even think we said that this is the Read Me Romance podcast. 
if you came if you came for Megan Quinn and you're like, why are they just talking? Where's What's the audio the book? Chernobyl reference? I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> They've swung between 9-11 and God, this is really kinds deep of different and dark. And Clue. <laughs> I have a, so, I have very strong sexual feelings for Tim Curry as a child. I just want to just put that out there for a little bit. Is that who I'm thinking? Like the bell, the the hotel the concierge from Home Alone Two? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah. I don't get that at all. <laughs> you don't have to get it. It's disturbing. Yeah, no, but I'm not shaming the, you. But... but there was this something about the excitement of the fear was very titillating as a child when I saw that movie. <laughs> For the first time. I'm going to look up and see what year it was done. Go ahead and do your thing. Mel, are you over there looking up New York City murder mystery dinners? No, I'm... I'm... <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely in this. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, so, we are here for um, Megan Quinn's story date night. Megan Quinn is a USA Today bestselling author, wife, adoptive mother, and peanut butter lover. Author of romantic comedies and contemporary romance, Megan Quinn brings readers the perfect combination of heart, humor, and heat in every book. So her story, Date Night, is what you're about to listen to. We broke it up into two parts. We're going to play half of it today and half of it on Friday, and the other half on Friday, which is when it finishes up. There is a character introduced in this story briefly who has her own book. She's the sister that babysits their kid for the night. Um, so yeah so i'm gonna read you the blurb for that book it's out now it's on kindle unlimited it's called three blind dates okay so here's the here's the blurb a modern day take on you've got mail with a twist this laugh out loud and heartwarming romantic comedy from best-selling author megan quinn will keep you on the edge of your feet (laughs) as you fall in love with each and every blind date Good morning, Malibu. It's another beautiful day on the West Coast. I'm Noli Clark, your host, and I'm in the market for love. When the publicity team of the new local restaurant Going In Blind began their search for a hot local celebrity to to promote the wildly popular eatery, they couldn't have found a better person than me. Outgoing? Check. Single? Check. Open to finding love? Check. I signed up immediately. A hopeless romantic with an exceedingly demanding schedule, I found it impossible to find the man of my dreams. So going in blind seems too good to be true. That That's until they start setting me up on dates. Three very different, very attractive, very distinct blind dates. And only one thing is for certain, I'm in big trouble. Good morning, Malibu. I'm Nolly Clark, and I have a choice to make. The question is, who will I choose? The suit, the rebel, or the jock? This is a full-length novel with a happily ever after, no cliffhanger, no cheating, and full of heart, humor, and steamy heat. I like so, all of that. All of that is yes, a, a all of that stuff. Place. Yes, it, I like it's that. on our no cliffhanger, it's in our wheel. no cheating. That's the way to go. <laughs> it's in our lady listener wheelhouse. Yeah. So, um, as you listen to this, listen out for Noli, the character. She's in her own book, Three Blind Dates. You can grab it now on Kindle Unlimited. So, we're gonna go ahead and play the first installment of Date Night by Megan Quinn, and we hope you enjoy. We'll talk to you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Chapter one. Alex. Joe, where are those spreadsheets? I yell from the open door of my humdrum office. Muted tan walls box me in with one window that overlooks the illustrious parking lot, where, if I'm lucky, I have a rare sighting of a stray cat lifting its tail, calling out a feral scream, looking for some action. Be an accountant, my dad said. It's safe, reliable, dependable. But what he failed to mention is that it's boring as shit. 
The spreadsheets, Joe. I raise my fist to the air. I need the spreadsheets stat. Things I never thought I would be saying when I was younger. I need the spreadsheets stat. Scalpel stat, maybe. Flames blazing in front of me, calling out water stat. A slight possibility. But begging Joe, who perpetually wears a breathing strip over his nose, for data spreadsheets for a mediocre company was not on my list of pipe dreams. Don't get me wrong, I love my wife. She's my world. And our daughter is a funny little punk who imitates my wife's sarcasm a little too much. But there is something missing in my life. Excitement, mystery, the thrill of life. Any thrill, really. But that all changes tonight. If Joe ever gets me the goddamn spreadsheets. Joe! I yell louder. I need those! Here you go, Joe says, rushing in from the side, the squeak of his nose sucking in air, distracting, per usual, as I stare at the papers in his hand. I press my fingers to my brow and take a few calming breaths. What have I told you about giving me hard copies? I'm trying to save the earth here. Email, Joe, email. He nods apologetically tapping his head with his finger. That's right, email, I'll do that right now. Despite the high-pitched whistle that blows in and out of his nose, which blends with the humming of computers in the office and his lack of awareness for the earth, Joe is quite good at his job. He's one of the best accountants in the firm, so a reminder here and there isn't going to get him kicked to the curb. Not getting me the spreadsheets on time when it's date night with my beautiful wife. Now that could possibly end our working relationship. I say that, but I don't mean it. I'm a fucking marshmallow when it comes to being a stickler, even as a boss. My wife calls me a pink peep, all soft and squishy. It's true. I had to fire one employee and cried for a day after. Completely and utterly traumatic event for me. I took a sick day while Lauren, my wife, let me cry into her breasts. Her cleavage gave me the strength to come back to work the next day. She has magic tits. No joke. The first time I realized they were magic was back in college. We were drunk. We were naked. And we were trying to feed each other noodles, one piece at a time. We started to get creative with how to eat them. Dangling off chopsticks, fingers, nipples. Yup, nipples. Bare-ass naked, my amazing wife, girlfriend at the time, stood in front of me, massaged her breast, flicked her nipple until it was hard, and dangled that noodle like a goddamn expert on her hard nipple. I might have been drunk, but I knew in that minute I needed to marry this woman. And even though I was so drunk, that was still incredibly hot. Who knew nipples could be used like that?
From there, her boobs have gotten us out of speeding tickets, have awarded us free popcorn at the movies, big score there because it came with free refills, and when she was breastfeeding Chloe, she squirted her breast milk on my random scrapes, pink eye, and rashes, and by God, it was cleared up in a day. Magic tits. Not to mention, they're a hot button for her, and I've made her come many times while just playing with them. Nothing gets my dick harder than knowing my wife can be fondled to completion. Actually, no, that's not true. So much about my wife gets my dick hard. Have you seen her? When she continues touching herself, giving me a fucking hot show of getting herself off while sucking my cock? The definition of hard doesn't cut it. She's a siren. And she's mine. And she deserves every bit of attention I'm going to give to her tonight. My lips curve up as I head back to my desk, although it's not the only thing that is starting to head up right now. Shit. Baseball stats. Think baseball stats. Hard-ons at work are not okay. I toss the spreadsheets on my desk after giving them a quick once-over. They should be fine. Joe is good at his work. And then I gather my briefcase. On my way out the door, I forward Joe's reports from my phone to the account executive at Gary's Automotive, medium business, and then call my wife as I reach my sensible, non-flashy red sedan with cream interior. According to my wife, family men drive these types of cars, and honestly, I love it. Comfortable seats, easy to drive, and has a trunk that can carry a cooler full of prepared picnic food, five suitcases, and three dead bodies, if you're into that kind of thing. And yeah, it might be a Buick, but for all the judges out there, Buicks are starting to trend. With middle-aged men. My phone connects to the Bluetooth as I pull out of my assigned parking spot, and Lauren's voice booms through the speakers after a few rings. Hello, fuckboy. Jesus Christ. I laugh out loud. Please tell me Chloe is already with Noli and nowhere near you. Do you really think I would say fuckboy in front of our daughter? Knowing her, she'd start calling you that at school. In a tiny voice, Lauren says, Mrs. Venice, did you know my fuckboy gave me a popsicle last night so I didn't tell mommy about spilling juice on the couch? We'd be called into the classroom again. We're halfway through first grade with Chloe, and we've been called in for a special teacher-parents conference a few times due to Lauren's obnoxious and unfiltered mouth and my relentless bribing to keep me out of the doghouse whenever I do something stupid and Chloe catches it. Both actions have bitten us in the ass. The last instance was quite special when she called her classmate a douche nugget because he was coloring an elephant purple rather than gray. When he started crying, she tried to bribe him with her half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich to, in her words, shut the hell up. Not our finest parenting moment. But the positive is that the girl knows how to negotiate, 
So at least we're doing something, right? Chloe's all set? Yep, Noli was excited to take her for the night. Your sister is my hero. She's basically my Captain Marvel. Once a month, Noli and her boyfriend take Chloe for a night and give Lauren and me some much-needed alone time. We look forward to this night every month because it isn't any ordinary date night. Going out to dinner and maybe catching a movie. No, this is next-level date night. This is what gets my loins doing an Irish jig. What makes my balls shimmy against my dick. What arouses me more than my wife's magic tits. Date night with my wife is the singular most exciting thing in my life. It's what gets me through my mundane days at work. And because my wife is the best, there's always a guaranteed naked finale. Good. I loosen my tie. Is everything set up? You act like this is my first date night with you. I'm no newbie, of course everything is set up. Did you get my email? Read it, and I'm ready. Every morning of date night, Lauren sends me an email with this month's theme. I'm responsible for ordering food to be delivered at a specified time, and I'm also in charge of making sure Chloe is taken care of. I'm handed a bag before I leave for work, it's kept in the car to change into when I get home. Getting changed in the car is not always easy, but I make it work. She always makes it worth the difficulty. More than makes it worthwhile. The email I got this morning was simple. Strap on your boots, cowboy, because things are about to get rough on the ranch. Fuck, I hope she plans on riding me like a majestic steed. Knowing Lauren, it will come true, as she has some pretty fantastic plans. In a seductive voice, Lauren says, When you get home, change and then knock on the front door. I'll be waiting for you. She hangs up before I can respond. A fire ignites inside of me as I clench my hands tighter around the ten and two marks on my steering wheel. Oh, yes. Things are about to get rough. I line the windshield of my car up with the tennis ball I have hanging in the garage, letting me know I've parked my car perfectly. Just enough room all around where nothing will get hurt. I cut the ignition and quickly grab the bag Lauren packed for me. There is a note attached to it. Leave your shirt undone. What my lady wants, my lady gets. Casual Friday at the office made this outfit change a little easier, since I'm already wearing jeans. But when I pull out the shirt, I question my wife's fashion sense. Blue and red plaid button-up, cut-off sleeves, and letters ironed on the back that spell out Badass Cowboy. I am pretty badass. I adjust my jeans, suck in my gut, Dad bod is real, and slip my arms through the sleeve holes after folding my light green polo and setting it in the bag. The shirt is a bit snug and barely covers the front of my chest and beefy man pecs. At least that's what I like to think of them as. Back in college, I was a weightlifter. I had definition for days, 
Muscles you've never seen before. My triceps poked people in the eyes. My pecs were pillows for my drunk friends. And my abs were used every weekend as a shot luge. But something happens to you as you get older, get married, and have a kid. Those muscles are now coated by a cushion of food comfort. Instead of defined abs, there's a small swell to my stomach. Nothing too big, but enough to know I'm not the man I used to be. And I'm okay with it, because Lauren still looks at me the same as when we were in college. She likes the pudge, which makes me love her even more, if possible. Just for the hell of it, I lay a towel on the garage floor and quickly do 30 push-ups. This dad still has it, and work up a nice sweat. A glisten for my lady will go well with this theme. I haven't shaved all week, which is unheard of for this straight and narrow accountant, but when Lauren hid my shaver, I knew there was a reason. I have a fresh coat of scruff, and when I put on the hat Lauren provided, I'm completely ready to rock her world tonight. Fuck, I love my wife. Gently, I place my briefcase and the bag of clothes next to the garage door that leads to the house, and then head to the front door, thankful for a quiet night in the neighborhood. The last thing I need is for Ned, with three cats from across the street, to come outside to water his lawn and ask me about the fancy fedora on my head, or why I haphazardly forgot to button up my shirt. Taking a deep breath, I pull on the brim of my hat, channeling my inner Clint Eastwood, and press one hand against the molding of the door before knocking. If only I had a piece of straw I could be chewing on. I scan the bushes and quickly spot a twig. I pick it up and stick it in my mouth just as Lauren answers the door. I don't notice the leaf hanging off the end of the twig until Lauren's brow pulls together in confusion. What's with the twig? Thought it would be perceived as straw. She doesn't even give a second thought before saying, Ditch the twig. I spit it out and then turn on my steamy eyes. It's when I squint and try to tell her sex is in the stars for us, through my eyes. Works like a charm, and tonight doesn't fail me, because when she takes in the steamy eyes, her cheeks flush. I take the moment to give her a smooth once-over, Cut off jean shorts, showing off her beautifully white legs from never getting out of the house. A brown cut-off t-shirt that she must have cut just before I got home because the hem is jagged and torn. And her hair is braided loosely on either side of her head with a bandana cinched around her neck. But the best part of the entire outfit is the neckline of her shirt that is barely being held together as her bra pushes her magic tits up into her neck. Total milf. She glances behind me looking for neighbors before, in a flash, her face transforms from my beautiful wife to total damsel in distress. Clyde, I'm so glad you came. My name for the night in the email she sent, I was also given my alias, Clyde Weatherbottom. 
Ace when working with my hands, a devil in the sheets, and has a strong southern drawl, which I tried to practice during my lunch break while enjoying my cob salad, but it was subpar at best. Clyde fancies himself a damsel in distress, is addicted to Mary Sue's cornbread, and doesn't wear underwear. I shucked mine at lunchtime as well, regretting that decision after an hour of sitting in jeans and my bare balls rubbing against the coarse cotton. And who is Mary Sue? She's standing right in front of me, looking fine as hell with her crop top and fluttery eyelashes. Daughter of the rancher Clyde works for, she's been harboring a crush for Clyde for quite some time now, and has gained the courage to make a move. But something stops her. I think I'm about to find out exactly what that is. She fans her face, feigning distress, and whispers, There's been a murder on the ranch. A murder? But before I can wrap my head around this new morbid twist, she's yanking me inside and pinning me against the door with her ass. Taking both my hands, she wraps them around her waist and sinks into my heated chest. Shh, did you hear that? Getting into character, I whisper, Was it old Bessie out in the barn? She's been ornery lately, but I checked in on her ten minutes ago, and she's tucked in for the night. What about Carl, the stable boy? Twisting in my arms, eyes wide, Mary Sue grips the lapels of my shirt in pure panic. Carl was the one who was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. I sing song while scanning the house, taking in the setup Lauren spent most likely all day putting together. Since our house is already decorated in the currently trending farmhouse style, it didn't take much for her to set the scene. But as I notice the touches she's added, a smile pulls at the corner of my lips. Six hay bales, yes, six, are scattered in the living room. There's a life-size cutout of a horse leaning against the wall with a blanket draped over its back, and scattered down the hall and in the entryway are two wheelbarrows full of... Is that manure? Breaking character, I drop the accent and say, Did you bring cow shit into the house? I sniff the air, already confirming my suspicion. Authenticity, boo. She pats my chest and then goes stiff again. We're not safe. The killer is still on the loose somewhere on the ranch. Squatting, she reaches out to the side and secures two nerve guns to her chest while slowly moving back up my body. Keeping her eyes fixed on the fake horse in the living room, she says, For protection. It's locked and loaded, so don't get trigger-happy. Darling, I'm never trigger-happy. From the corner of her mouth, she says, You were a week ago. Hey, I snap at her. You used a vibrator in my dark area. I swallow hard. I was bound to shoot off in seconds. And I did, literally seconds. It was embarrassing, and I spent a good ten minutes repaying the favor with my tongue. But it was worth it because I blacked out from euphoria that night. Giggling, she presses a quick kiss to my chin, 
and once again gets back into character. Should we look at the crime scene? Er, did she make a crime scene? I love my wife and her creativity, but a crime scene? All I can think of is our kitchen sprayed with fake blood, cow intestines bought from the butchers scattered about, and crime scene tape wrapped around the island. Out of sheer morbid curiosity, I take the bait and say, maybe we can search for clues that will lead us to the murderer of the well-loved stable boy. There very well might be, Mary Sue answers with a twinkle in her eye, which leads me to believe that Lauren set up some clues. Nerf gun held out in front of her like she's a professionally trained spy, she works her way down the hall, her back lining the wall and beckoning me with the nod of her head. I follow suit, mirroring her Nerf gun readiness and glance around for surprises. The first time we had a role-play date night, Lauren set up a haunted house. I was a vampire, Edward Cullen style, and she was a bewitched college girl looking for love. Every move I made through the house, something popped out and startled me. It got to the point where I was so terrified, my penis was flaccid for a good portion of the night. Lauren quickly learned her lesson after that but I still fear something is going to pop out that I'm not expecting. When we step into the kitchen, I immediately stop and nearly buckle over in laughter from the crime scene in front of us. Laying in a pile of hay, that's going to be fun to clean up, is Chloe's giant teddy bear she got from one of Lauren's obnoxious brothers with a small axe blasted right into the heart of its stuffing. For added effect, she pulled some of the stuffing out and colored it red. Damn, she's good. It's the little touches, like dying teddy bear stuffing, that puts my wife above and beyond the rest. Holding back my smirk, I drop to my knees and take the bear's paw in mine. Oh, Carl, what happened to you? Whispering, I ask. Who did this? Please, Clyde. Mary Sue shies away, arm draped over her eyes. I can't bear to see Carl like this. Cover him up. With the blanket that's neatly folded to the side, I shake it out and drape it over the bear, only to find initials spray-painted across the fabric. Damn, I actually liked this blanket. I shake off the loss of sheep's wool comfort and focus on the clue. J.L. I glance up at Mary Sue. What do you suppose it means? Eyes wide, she says. Do you think it's the killer's initials? That would seem too obvious. Like the bastard wants to get caught. Maybe they do want to get caught. Mary Sue scans my chest and licks her lips. For a good show, I flex and catch the way her eyes light with interest. I stand and stroll to her, where I wrap my arm around her waist and pull her in close. Her hands fall to my chest on a gasp, one still clutching her Nerf gun. Clyde, what on earth are you doing? Keeping you close, darling. I couldn't bear if anything happened to you. There's a killer on these here parts, and I'll be damned if you're next. You're so brave. Her hand roams my chest 
playing with the stubble of my chest hair. I know Daddy doesn't trust you to be near me because of your viral sex appeal, but I don't trust anyone else with my life or my body. I slide my hand down her back to the tip of her waistband, where I slip my fingers along her backside. My fingers connect with a smooth piece of fabric, and my mind starts cataloging the pieces of lingerie Lauren saves for special occasions. From the feel and texture, I can narrow it down to her purple silk cheekies or her red silky boy shorts that barely contain her perfect ass. Did it get hot in here, or is it just me? She asks, running her fingers across one of my nipples. Hot, I say on a squeak. Very hot. Maintaining eye contact, she lowers her hands to her shorts, undoes them, and pushes them to the ground until they're a pool of denim at her feet. With her toe, she flings them to the side, and I peruse her lower half. Boy shorts. I'm a fucking goner. That's better. Chapter 2 Alex Staring at my wife, wearing nothing but a crop top, a handkerchief around her neck, and red silky boy shorts, I ask, Are you able to solve crime in that outfit? The jean shorts were holding me back. Now I can really think. She playfully rubs her hands together. Well, you're making it hard for me to think, darling. Hard? She asks in a cheesy tone while glancing at my crotch. Stepping forward, I take her hand in mine and lower it to my dick, where she cups me through my pants. Yes, very fucking hard. Clyde, she feigns innocence. Are you saying you have feelings for me? After all these years of working for Daddy, taking care of the steed, and bringing in more money for the ranch than we could ever have imagined, you've been harboring feelings for me? How could I not? When you prance around the grounds wearing those tiny shorts and low-cut shirts? I grip her ass unapologetically and pull her in close again. Every day I watch you closely, the way the sun lights up your golden hair and how your smile grows wider than the sunset every time you hop on old Bessie for a ride. Clyde? She holds her hand to her chest. I had no idea. Daddy won't like this. I don't give a crap about your daddy. I grunt before tipping her chin up and capturing her mouth with mine. Warm yet urgent, Mary Sue mirrors my demanding kiss with her own. Her hands float up to the nape of my neck while her tongue swipes across my lips, parting them with ease. She lightly moans into my mouth as my grip trails down to her ass, slides under the boy shorts, and squeezes flesh. Oh, Clyde, she moans in between kisses. I back her against the kitchen wall and quickly lift her up by the ass. Her legs instinctively wrap around my waist, and I use the tan wall as support to hold her, 
while she lightly starts to grind her center over my dick. She's Randy tonight, and the thought that she's so turned on right now only makes me harder. I might have to dress up as a cowboy more often. God, she groans into my ear as my lips make work of her neck. You're so strong and burly. How many bales of hay do you toss every day? Fifty at least, I say, not really giving my answer any thought. But now that I'm doing the calculations in my head, fifty is a lot, almost back-breaking. But we're in our fantasy world right now, so I don't give a flying fuck. But if I was tossing fifty bales of hay around a ranch every day, I sure as hell wouldn't have this dad bod. I would have abs like I had in college, sculpted man arms and shoulders, and my thighs would be tearing through these jeans. Hey, Lauren says, giving my cheek a little tap. Your lips went dead fish on me. Oh, I shake my head. Sorry, I was thinking about hay bales. Wow, her eyes widen. Can't hear that enough while I'm trying to be sexy with my husband? Not like in a sexual way. Just thinking if I actually did chuck around 50 hay bales a day, what kind of body I'd have. She frowns. Uh, why does it matter? I love your body now. All accents are gone and we're both having a moment out of character. It's not what it used to be. But your heart is, and that's all that matters. Plus, I like this side of you. Strong with a whole bunch of love. With my fingers, I caress the side of her cheek and look her in the eyes. I love you so goddamn much. I know. She glances over my shoulder. Now come on, cowboy. We have a murder to solve. Clearing my throat, I set her back down on the ground. I'm sorry, darling. I didn't mean to get out of control there. I hope your daddy didn't see us, or else I'd be staring down the barrel of his shotgun. But you're his best employee. Don't you think he'd be happy that I'd fall for such a dependable and intelligent man? Mary Sue asks. He's always warned me to stay away from his daughter. I'm not sure he'd ever think highly of the pairing. Not after he caught wind of the rumors of my womanizing. But that's all they were, rumors. You're still a virgin. Brow cocked, in my normal voice I say, Still a virgin, really. You want Clyde, this virile man who works with his hands day in and day out, to be a virgin. I love you, babe, but that's unrealistic. If anything, he's been banging the cook for extra size of cornbread after a long day under the sun. The cook is a man, she deadpans. Says who? Says this feminist. She crosses her hands over her chest. Fair enough. Okay, then he's been banging Mary Sue's mother. She's dead. Well, at least that makes her easy. Alex! Lauren slaps me in the chest. Don't be disgusting. Chuckling, I take her hand in mine and kiss the back of it. Well, then don't make Clyde a virgin. 
Huffing, she looks to the side and says, but I've always wanted to do it with a virgin. The fumbling hands, the uneasiness, not knowing where to stick it. So basically, you want to relive the first time we had sex. Don't you? No. I shake my head. No, I really don't. But it was so magical. Uh, I stare her down, blinking a few times. Lauren, I stuck my finger in your ass, thinking I was hitting your G-spot. Well, you hit a spot, all right, but it didn't start with a G. I drag my hand over my face, hating that we've been out of character for so long. We're getting off track. I'm not going to be a virgin, that's final. Oh, fine, she pouts. Can you at least have only had sex with Daisy, the milkmaid, and have always wondered what it would be like to fuck Mary Sue with her giant tits rather than the little pebbles Daisy has? Yep, huge knockers, got it. I can do that. Okay. She shakes out her limbs and then her face morphs back into a damsel in distress. Scanning the crime scene, she asks, What do you think J.L. stands for? Rubbing my chin, I stare at her breasts for a good ten seconds, which brings a smile to her face. It must be some sort of clue. Who on the ranch has the initials of J.L.? I'm so flustered, I can't think of names. Maybe we should keep searching. I think you're right. I take her hand in mine and man my Nerf gun to my chest. Stick close, Mary Sue. She pushes her breasts up against my back. Is that close enough? Perfect. I growl before moving around the stabbed bear to the heart of the kitchen, where I stop abruptly and point to a half-empty cup of tea and a trail of tea leaves scattered across the counter. Look, Mary Sue, tea. As if this is the first time she's seeing the setup, she squats down so she's eye-level and examines the spilled tea leaves with a swipe of her finger and a sniff. English breakfast, unmistakably. Who on the ranch drinks English breakfast tea besides Carl? From the tea party Coraline the Horse Whisperer held the other day, quite a few. This could lead us to any of the suspects. Well, do you have a list of the people who attended the tea party? Were you one of them? I step back, observing Mary Sue with a trained eye. Should I be worried that there is a gun in your hand? She stands straight, insulted. How dare you even consider me to be a suspect? I was born and raised on this ranch. I've put my blood, sweat, and tears into this ranch. Why on earth would I murder someone on it, risking the press catching hold of this and labeling the ranch as murder row? Maybe you have something to gain from it. She takes a step back. How dare you? I have everything to lose and nothing to gain. And Carl was a dear friend. She clutches her chest. There were days where we would just walk around the ranch, hand and teddy bear paw, Taking in the beautiful landscape? If anyone has anything to gain, it's you. She points an accusatory finger at me. I have something to gain? I ask, flustered. 
What on earth could I possibly gain from killing Carl? Ticking off on her fingers, she says, Revenge on my father for not giving you a raise when you rightfully deserved one? Oh, how about the outlandish jealousy you display whenever you saw me with Carl? Carl was gay, so there was zero chemistry between you two and no jealousy on my end. Carl was not gay, she states matter-of-factly. Sweet Mary Sue, you're so naive. You were merely treated as his beard. I caught Carl and Malibu Ken many times in the hayloft. They were a thing. I snapped my fingers, an idea popping in my head. Was Malibu Ken invited to the tea party? Tainted lover seeks revenge. He had a scuba lesson that day, so he couldn't make it. Damn. With the edge of the Nerf gun, I scratch my head. I guess that brings it back to you. I am not a murderer, but if you keep saying I am, I might find the temptation to shoot my gun. With a firm set in her jaw, she lifts her Nerf gun and points it directly at my crotch. hey oh, okay. I back away, knowing how hard these things can pelt someone, especially up close. You didn't kill Carl. You're crossed off my suspect list. Damn right I am. Examining the tea again, she says, Look, there are little footprints in the leaves. Barely visible, but they're there. I bend at the waist and take them in. Are those toe marks? Or claws? I scratch my chin. I think we need to keep moving. I take her hand in mine and move around the island while counting off our clues. Carl was murdered with an axe. The initials J.L. were conveniently spray-painted on the blanket used to cover up the deceased, and whoever murdered Carl had a cup of tea and made a mess about it, leaving hand-claw prints. This means one thing. What's that? Mary Sue whispers. You need to take your top off. She crosses her arms over her chest and purses her lips to the side. How on earth is me taking my top off going to solve this case? I shrug. Magic tits. If I tweak the nipples, I might have a revelation and be able to crack this case. That's the saddest line I've ever heard to get a girl to take her shirt off. I thought you were more suave than that, Clyde. Desperation makes you do strange things, darling. Desperation and death... I'm not taking my shirt off. If you want to see my naked breasts, then you're going to have to work for it. Did you have to put the word naked in front of breasts? Yes, because it means so much more. It means you get all the goods. Studying her, I say, You know, I never thought the shy rancher's daughter with the tight ass would be so forthcoming. After all the times you caught me staring and shied away, I thought you'd have the same disposition. I step forward, looping my hand to the small of her back. But come to find out, you have a dirty side to you. Because I said naked breasts? That, I smile. And because you're standing in front of me with no britches and an extremely low-cut shirt. You also cupped my junk. 
She runs her tongue over her teeth and shrugs casually. Maybe I have a little bit of dirty in me, but only because I've been lusting after you for so long, and you're finally looking at me the way I've wanted you to look at me ever since you stepped your punchy-toed boot on this ranch. She glides her hand up my chest to my neck. Have you been lusting, darling? My hands snake up her back to the short hemline of her shirt, and I slowly start to peel it up. Her eyes widen briefly before she raises her arms and lets me peel it off completely, revealing a matching red bra that does nothing to conceal her breasts. Round and pillowy, all I want to do is bury my head in her cleavage and live there for the rest of the night. Her fingers dance across my chest, her nails scraping against my burning skin, as the desire for this woman, my wife, intensifies. We have a murder to solve, I croak out as her hand comes to the button of my jeans. Carl needs justice. My vagina needs justice first. She undoes my jeans and lowers them just enough so she can stick her hand inside, once again cupping my cock, but this time with only a layer of boxer briefs in between. I put them back on after a good chafing at the office. She fondles me playfully, stroking my length, pleased with how hard I already am. Doesn't take much for this accountant to get it up. Just a quick look at his nearly naked wife, and he's ready to go. Slow down, darling. You're getting quite handsy when we have a murder to solve. The corner of her lips falls south. Why are you so intent on solving this murder, Clyde? I have my hand down your pants. The rancher's daughter is giving you the green light. Why are you stalling? Because I can't... Whoa. My hips jerk up when her hand slips past my boxer briefs and straight to the tip of my cock, where she grips tightly. Buckled over slightly, I rest a hand against the wall to steady myself. Okay, I see what you're trying to do. Do you? I nod, hissing through my teeth when her finger plays with that special little spot underneath the head of my cock. Gulping hard, I say, Yep, you're trying to distract me from solving this case because... because you're an accomplice. In a flash of anger, her hand squeezes even tighter around my length, and I nearly shoot out of my boots. Oh, lady, watch it. What did I tell you about blaming me for this murder? Keep my name out of it, Clyde, or else you're not going to like what happens next. If you're trying to convince me that you have nothing to do with acts into the stuff in a car, then threatening me is not the way to do it. And if you want inside my loins, then accusing me of heinous crimes is not the way to do it. Yeah, well, if you want me to put my dick inside of you, don't refer to your vagina as your loins. I lift a suggestive brow in her direction, which commences a full-on stare-down. Her brown eyes to my blue, unblinking, unwavering. Her hand still gripping my dick like a vice.
my hand still steadying me on the wall as my legs wobble beneath me with excitement and fear all wrapped up into one. To even the playing field, I drop the Nerf gun on the counter and reach out to grip her breast, tugging ever so slightly. Her mouth gapes open, and she reciprocates her own pull. A sharp hiss escapes me as I match the private part tug of war we're playing with each other. Boob to penis. Who's going to win? I will pull this dick right off you, a crazy-looking Mary Sue threatens. I will twist your tit off your chest and chuck it like a grenade. I counter, feeling slightly put off by my own statement. From the pull in her brow, so does Mary Sue. Boob grenade? Losing all sense of concentration on my role play, I chuckle. Yep, boob grenade. Leaning a little closer, Lauren appears and says, Things just got weirdly kinky. I blame you. Tug a little more on my dick and things are about to get a lot more kinky when I come in my pants. That's not kinky, sweetheart. That's reliving our first time together. And isn't that exactly what you wanted? Laughing, she releases me and wraps her arms around my neck, pulling herself close until her lips are a whisper away from mine. What I want is to lay you on our bed and ride you until you make that sexy guttural groan that makes me come every single time. Damn. Does that mean Mary Sue is taking a break and Lauren, my beautiful wife, is making an appearance? I slide my hand up her back to the clasp of her bra where I undo it, letting the straps fall down her arms. With the hook of my finger, I snag the front and pull the fabric down until it pools at the ground revealing her generous breasts. Lauren wants to fuck her husband. She stands on her toes. But Mary Sue wants an affair with the sexy ranch hand. Which one wins out? I ask, moving my hands to her breasts, ready to cup them. When Lauren's phone rings on the counter. I intend to ignore the call, but when Lauren reaches for her phone, frantic, I realize she's about to answer topless. Who could possibly be that important? Hey, lady listeners, we're back. Hey. Okay, so you're probably still drying your tears of laughter from <laughs> listening to that. It's just too funny. I I have to go buy everything she's ever written because <laughs> it's just like the humor was just yeah, so it's so it's effortless and yeah. funny. It wasn't like cheesy or over the top. It was just really like it was it, two people that know each yeah, other really well, but yeah. just like know each other's sense of humor. Yeah. It's so good. And I, I love the wife, Lauren. Like <laughs> what a champ. <laughs> I love her. What a champ. So um what by a the champ. way, Clue came out in nineteen eighty five. So I would have been I probably Damn. I would have probably been maybe like between eight and ten the first time I watched it. So Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean that's when it would have come to VHS by the time I would have been able to like watch it at home. Because I wouldn't have been able to go to the theater at that point. But I will say like I mean that just 
this had some clue vibes, so I'm I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see what else is out today. Well, everything comes out tomorrow, so we can tell okay. people about things that are coming out tomorrow. Yeah, come out on Tuesday. Yeah, let's do that. So if you guys want to pre-order stuff, I know all of these have pre-orders. Was- Keen, a ruthless ex by Theodora Taylor. Are you going to read them, or do you want me to? Go read ahead them? and read them. I don't have it up. Okay. Keen, Her uh, her Ruthless Ex by Theodora Taylor okay. is out. That um, one is actually already f- out. Sorry. Yeah, because yeah, we that's had out. that on the podcast last week. It came it's out the, on the uh, weekend. It's the follow-up yeah, to the, that story. the follow-up. This is the, pre- the, not prologue, what is it, the prequel? You listened to the prequel last yes. week on the podcast, yes. and this is the full length, like, uh-huh. what comes after. Yes. Tomorrow, Catching Him by Aurora Rose Reynolds is out in audio and in Kindle Unlimited. Far Cry by Kate Canterbury and That Forever Girl by Megan Quinn, who you're listening to this week, she that book comes out in audio and in Kindle Unlimited. So exciting stuff. Get to clicking. And she's probably doing a we're probably doing a giveaway on readmeromance.com if you go to the current audiobook and and you can enter there to win. And we've got merchandise, guys, mostly oh just gosh. tote bags and pop sockets. <laughs> no, because you <laughs> guys, are you guys inc- ravaged yes, us. You're crazy so. and you went nuts, but it's been really awesome. My post office people have just really gotten to know me these past couple weeks. <laughs> we've been really tight. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. I think that's awesome. all we got right now. That's all we got. Okay, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make say your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, 